Hey ladies, welcome to the Losing Fat on Plants podcast. So happy to have you join me. My name is Jennifer and I'm a certified fat loss nutrition coach. I created this podcast for the menopausal woman who's maintaining a fully or partly plant-based diet, but is still struggling like I once did to lose fat because of cycling sugar binges. Menopausal weight gain is for real, and it's more than just calories in, calories out. Hormones, stress, and lifestyle are factors that can affect our appetite and complicate how we feel and behave around food, especially during our midlife. Come on, sister, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If your appetite has increased, you're craving foods high in sugar, and you can't stop overeating, then you're in the right place. Lady friend. Don't spend precious time feeling miserable about how you look and your weight. Instead, join me each week as I share evidence-based strategies to help you manage your sweet tooth on a plant-based diet while keeping it real. You don't have to give up your favorite desserts. Let me show you how you can enjoy sweets guilt-free while on your journey towards losing fat on plants. Hope to see you there. Take care. Hey, sister girl. I am back and I welcome you to another episode. This is episode six and it is why sleep is so important for fat loss and ways to improve your sleeping habits. So there are a number of factors that can lead to weight gain. Food alone is not always the single reason, although I personally truly believe it's the number one reason. But ultimately, as we know, weight gain occurs when we eat more calories than we burn. But what is it that draws us to eat more than we actually need? The bottom line is we engage in certain behaviors that consequently lead to an increase in our daily food consumption beyond our daily calorie requirement. And if you remember from my third episode, we discussed that our daily calorie requirement is the number of calories that we need to sustain our body functions on a cellular level like heart function, respiration, kidneys, brain activity, etc. And these cellular functions along with any physical activity like exercise or um daily tasks like sitting um at a desk um working at a construction site or cooking dinner, all of these activities are um, the things that we, that we do that require the energy that, that we burn. So our biological processes exercises, and normal daily activities need energy, which we obtain in the form of calories from our food. So we need at least enough calories to cover the energy needs for these activities. But if we eat more 
than what we need to function, our bodies will store the calories in the form of fat. So how does sleep play into all of this? Well, we're going to discuss just that as I go into further detail about the impact of sleep on our fat loss. Now, I'm not a doctor, so none of what I say is medical advice or scientifically proven by any tests that I have personally conducted. <laughs> I simply gathered the information from researching online and I've summarized the most important factors that are important for us as menopausal women. So I'll try to keep it focused and helpful so that you can have some practical tips that you can use to help you achieve your fat loss goals. So in this episode, I'm going to cover reasons why sleep is so important for our health. We're going to talk about how you know when you've had enough sleep, how lack of sleep can impact our fat loss goals, and how can you ensure to get the best sleep you need even when you're menopausal? So why is sleep important? We've mentioned this in previous episodes, but sleep is essential for your overall health. It allows you to recover and rejuvenate. You're able to recharge while many biological processes take place. Your nerve cells, for example, they communicate and reorganize and your body repairs and rebuilds cells. So sleep is necessary so that our organs can function optimally. So you can already imagine if your sleep is cut short or if you have disrupted sleep, that these biological processes will be impacted. And this can ultimately lead to disruptions in your cells repairing or rebuilding. Your body does not have a chance then to recharge or rejuvenate fully. So it's of course no surprise that you will become more susceptible to bodily dysfunctions or even chronic diseases. In fact, the longer you go without enough sleep, the more likely you will have poor mental health, reduced attention span, reduced cognitive functions, higher risk of obesity, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, and even stroke. So I'm pretty sure you definitely do not want to have any disease that can or could have been avoided. I mean, you wouldn't even want to have any disease that couldn't be avoided. But if you can do something to reduce or eliminate your risk of getting a disease, then you'll want to do what you can, right? So how do I know <laughs> that this is important for you? Because you're here and you're interested in taking care of your health. You're wanting to lose weight, 
lose fat and gain control of your lifestyle so that you can improve your eating habits and your nutrition and your vitality despite being menopausal. So you may be wondering, how do you know when you've had enough sleep? In today's society, right? This this rat race that that we're in, we're constantly on the go, trying to keep up with all of the demands of life, working and working and working until we're completely exhausted. But instead of getting to sleep on time, we often go to bed late to recover from work and enjoy our evening, maybe with a glass of wine or dessert or watch TV until the wee hours of the morning, even though we know we have to get up early. So we end up sleeping just four or five hours and get up and do it all over again. And if this is you, then you may be used to living off of a short amount of sleep and you're not sure when you've actually had enough. Some people believe, and I've, and I've heard this um, from, well, actually I can only think of one individual who, <laughs> who told me this, that they, don't, that they don't need a sleep. Actually, no, I've heard this from two individuals that said that they don't need a lot of sleep because they're able to function on less sleep. Now, this may be true. They, they, and it is for all of us. Actually, we we can we can function, but the question is at what cost. Being able to function on less does not mean that you don't need more sleep. Anything less than seven hours is not enough sleep for our bodies to carry out the biological processes that it needs. And according to the Centers for Disease Control, we need seven or more hours of sleep between the ages of 18 and 60. And between 61 and 64, we need seven to nine hours. And after the age of 65, we need seven to eight hours of sleep. So although you can see we we need less and less sleep as we get older, you will still need at least seven hours for your overall health. And if you have had at least seven hours of sleep, but you don't feel rested, then you didn't have good quality sleep. And signs of poor quality sleep are drowsiness, a lack of attention, you're easily distracted, or you're constantly yawning or dozing, you have a lack of energy, you know that you've had good quality sleep when you're feeling the exact opposite, right? You're feeling refreshed when you wake up. You can think clearly. You may be tired in the beginning, you know, um, yawning a little bit, but once you're up and out of the bed, you feel energized. You're able to focus and, and you're not dozing off. When you feel that you're able to get through your day without drinking a coffee to keep you awake, then you've had enough sleep. Now, I don't mean to have coffee out of habit or or because it tastes so good and you're just used to that because it's part of your routine, but actually feeling as though you need it 
because you're not able to get through your day otherwise. If you don't feel as though you need the coffee, then you've had enough sleep. So getting less sleep than we need is a major stressor for for our bodies. Anything less than seven hours, as I said, is, is, is enough to cause stress, right? We increase our cortisol levels as our body recognizes this stress. Our appetite um, is, is then boosted because of this increase in, in cortisol. And this leads to overeating. And as we discussed in the third episode, lack of sleep causes a dysregulation of ghrelin and leptin, which both control our appetite. When ghrelin is released, leptin is reduced. And leptin is normally responsible for signaling our our bodies that we're full. When it's reduced, we'll no longer feel full, but instead we'll feel as though we haven't had enough to eat and we're driven to eat more. Not only are we led to overeat, but studies show that when we're tired, we're actually more likely to make poor food choices. So selecting those foods that don't serve our fat loss goals. These are typically high palatable foods that have like a really intense taste they're high in sugar and, and fat, and they contain a high number of calories. A couple of nights of good quality sleep without interruption is sufficient to bring the cortisol levels down again and, and balance the dysregulation of hormones. But to keep the hormones fully in check, it's highly recommended to maintain an average of seven to nine hours on a regular basis. Now, of course, not everyone is is able to get a good quality um, sleep, right? Such as parents of small children, people with chronic pain, or or people with diseases such as sleep apnea. Those under a lot of stress, or or like us, menopausal women. In such cases we should then focus on getting as much sleep as we can, as close to seven hours if possible, if not more. So the the goal of getting, you know, eight hours or nine hours is no longer the focus, but just getting as much as we can, but as close to seven hours, if if at all possible. And by sleeping the maximum number of hours that we can get, the more we're able to reduce our risk of stress and dysregulation of our hormones so that we don't influence our appetite, which can can lead us to overeat and throw us off track. So how do we ensure that we get the best sleep even though we're menopausal? We need to focus on better sleep hygiene so that we can improve our chances of sleeping longer and getting good quality sleep. So in order to do this, we should first concentrate on maintaining a comfortable sleeping environment. We should sleep in a cooler room, preferably with the, with the windows open. Now I know a lot of people 
don't necessarily feel comfortable about leaving their window open. Maybe it's too cold or, or too fresh. Maybe they don't have a screen on their windows and they're concerned that insects might come in. I would venture to say that you sh- it's worth it to, to, to get a screen or to buy one of those um, nets that you can sort of tape to the to the window in order to keep the insects out. It's worth it to do this in order to regulate the temperature in your room. You want to make it possible to have constant fresh air circulating throughout your room. It shouldn't be too cold though, so that you're uncomfortable, but cool enough so that you don't overheat when you're experiencing any flashes, any hot flashes during the night. Um, now it's it's likely that you're maybe even um, likely to to sweat. Now I you know I I go through phases um, as I'm transitioning with menopause um, where I am sweating a lot while I sleep in the evenings. But then there are days where I go where where I'm not at all, or maybe I'm just better able to regulate the temperature. But what I try to do is um, wear clothing that accommodates my uh, potential hot flashes. So um, even in the winter, I don't wear like heavy, heavy um, pajamas, you know, or long sweats or pants or a long shirt because it just, um, you know, increases the temperature increases body temperature when I'm under the cover. So I'll wear shorts or a t-shirt or maybe, you know, no shorts or, or maybe even just, um, in my underwear so that, you know, even when I'm under the blanket, I'm, I'm able to keep relatively warm, even with the window open, but it's just important to be aware of your body temperature because once you start to sweat when you're overheating, then you get wet, the sheets get wet, um, you risk having to um, get up, um, which could disrupt your sleep because you have to change the sheets or just waking up because you're uncomfortable. You know, you may be sweating and, and shivering because of the cool air that's coming through the room. So you want to try and prevent, um, you know, as much as you can, um, your body overheating with the clothing that you're wearing by wearing the most comfortable clothing that you can that accommodates um, overheating, you know, so shorts or short sleeve shirt or wearing no, um, you know, clothing at all, just uh, being under the the blanket with as little as possible if necessary. Okay. Um, and then the next tip is to turn all electronic devices completely off such as radios or TVs and computers so that there are no unexpected sounds that can disturb you while you're sleeping. Um, I remember when I was younger, like in my 20s, I loved, loved, loved to listen to music before I went to sleep. Like there's some really good music that I was into and I would literally, literally keep an album on repeat Um you know, on a, on a CD player or a T uh, yeah, a CD player back then, um, because it helped me, or I thought it helped me to, to fall asleep. Um, and it kept me company, you know, sometimes if I was, you know, feeling alone or, or lonely, I would, I would have that on and it would make me feel, <laughs> um, 
you know, comfortable or better, or I felt like it was a way to um, support my sleep. But, you know, I realized actually later that it, that it wasn't, that when you have music or, um, you know, even TVs running in the background, I know a lot of people, and, I, and I've done that myself as well, keep the TV on to keep them company. And this disrupts your sleeping patterns because it does not um, allow you to fully engage in, you know, deep sleep. You have, um, you know, the, the sounds going in the background, then you're more likely to stay in a more superficial, you know, sleep level or not uh, be capable of having very deep sleep because you have some sounds that your body can actually detect. Um, you know, your brain can actually detect these sound waves and it's um, disturbed or can be disturbed and um, your biological processes can be disrupted as a result. So it's really important to keep the room quiet by turning off all this devices such as the radios and TVs and and computers. And you should also um, keep your, your cell phone, you know, off, put it on do not disturb basically in airplane mode. So you don't have any notifications that come in and can disrupt you while you're sleeping. And most certainly um, you might not want to turn your phone completely off, but at least turn it over so that the lighting from your cell phone and from and the, any computers that um, that you have on that should be turned off because of the blue light that can actually trigger your um trigger your your circadian rhythms right we know that melatonin is necessary for um helping you to relax and the blue light which is emitted from your computer and from your phone reduces the melatonin which um therefore works against you and being able to relax and get deep sleep. So keep the cell phone far away, make sure you have all of devices turned off. Um, And if possible, you know, don't even have the items in your room if it's possible. Um, I know for a lot of of us, maybe, you know, we have our computers in our room um, or if you're, you know, um, you know, working there where, where you sleep or you have your office set up in your in your bedroom, then um, it's not possible or, or convenient to move all of the devices out of your room and then back in again. So if you're able to to turn them off completely, then, then that's already um, an improvement in keeping your sleep um, restful. Um, another tip is to... Um, make sure that your bedroom is uh, not only quiet, but dark. So if necessary, pull the curtains shut, close the shades, um, or even wear a sleep mask or a sleeping mask to ensure that there's no lighting that can, that can come through the room before you wake up. Right? So even if you get to bed a little bit later, you still want to try and sleep as long as possible so that um, you're you're able to to you know reach the maximum un- amount of hours that you can in order to have the the best quality sleep that you can and if the shades are up 
And depending on, you know, what time of the year it is, then the sun might be coming up much earlier, peek through, and it can disturb your sleep. And, and of course, you know, you've, I'm sure, have experienced this before. So the more conscious you are of this, the more aware you are of it, and try to do what you can to reduce the chances of lighting coming through, like closing the blinds or, um, you know, closing the curtains. And if even if the curtains are shut and the room is not dark enough, then really try, uh, you know, consider getting a, a mask. I wear a mask at night to make sure that um, my room stays as dark as possible until I've had, you know, enough sleep so that I don't get disturbed by any lighting that can come through the window. Um, and aside from just trying to, um, improve your sleeping environment, you will also want to establish a consistent sleeping routine. So going to bed at the same time and waking up around the same time helps support good sleeping habits. Um, even going to bed as early as you can, you know, Um, even if you're getting like seven or eight hours, but you're going to bed at, you know, 12 o'clock midnight or one o'clock in the morning and then sleeping, you know, your, your, um, eight hours or nine hours, it's, it's not as, um, it's not as optimal for you as it would be if you were to go to bed earlier, again, because of the lighting. Lighting um, determines our circadian rhythms. And early in the morning, you know, again, depending on the time of the year, the the, um, sun might be rising, you know, around, um, you know, 6 a.m. or so. And if we're going to bed at one and by 6 a.m. have only had five hours and the, um, the sun is coming up, then, you know, we're, we're likely to be, um, disrupted. You know, you, you might even get used to waking up around six o'clock if you went to bed earlier, like around 10. Now, if you change that and you're going to bed later, then, your body might still be on the 6 a.m. wake up routine and you might automatically wake up, you know, five hours later. Have, did you ever experience that before? I've, I've, I've had that happen where I went to bed um, later and thought, okay, well, I'll just sleep, you know, my, my normal eight hours or so, but ended up waking up earlier because of a previous routine that I had established of getting up at that early time. There was a time when I was um, going to bed around, I don't know, like nine or, or, or 10, nine or nine 30, between nine and 10. And I was waking up at four 30, between four and four 30 in the morning. And I, I did this for at least I don't know, it was maybe a six month period or, or, you know, six to 10 months or something like this. And once I got, you know, somehow out of this habit, my, my routine just changed and I would go to sleep later. My body still automatically would wake up around that time for, for a period of time until I established a new routine. So it's important, um, if, if you're able to, to establish a, a solid routine, um, a solid, you know, time that you, um, go to sleep and when you wake up so that you stay on a rhythm 
Um, it's easier for you to fall asleep. It's either easier for you to get up, but it's in within a time frame that is also in alignment with, um, you know, the the sun waking up and and your circadian rhythms. That everything is all in alignment. Um. Right. You will also want to consider reducing or eliminating your caffeine intake, especially right before bedtime, obviously, right? The more caffeine you have, um, the more likely it is that you will stay awake, um, you know, during, during the night or, or, or not even stay awake, but even wake up during the night. So if you are drinking coffee or black tea normally, then try to reduce um, the amount that you drink or at least to um, not drink it so late in the day so that you're you know, likely to disrupt your, your sleep. And like caffeine, heavy meals um, or, or alcohol and sugar can also disrupt your sleep. So avoid them as much as possible right before going to bed. Sufficient sunlight during the day is, is very good and, um, exercise and staying well hydrated. Um, these are all things that are helpful in improving your sleep. Also brain stimulation from reading, um, books as opposed to TV or video games or electronic devices. They all help you, um, you know, exercise and, and staying well hydrated, um, it helps you to to fall asleep better during during the night. And if you go for a walk for at least thirty minutes, this doesn't, um, you know, this this is is good for a good dose of of sunlight. And it also helps you to earn at least three thousand steps towards your daily goal, and it will support better sleep. And if you find it difficult to fall asleep, consider taking plant-based sleeping vitamins that can um, contain melatonin, as we mentioned before, which is, um, you know, helpful for falling into a deep sleep. Or you can drink, um, you know, small amounts of of tea that contain, um, this Baldrian extract, which is good for calming nerves and, um, you know, helping you to relax. I would consider if, if you're going to, um, drink the tea to drink it at least one hour, um, before going to bed so that you have a chance, um, you know, to go to the bathroom so that you don't have to wake up to go to the bathroom often, um, during your sleep, but also, you know, so that it has a chance to actually kick in. Um, and if you, you know, try these different tips and you realize that, um, that they're not helpful at first, I would, I would, try them for a while, you know, in order to really, um, give it a, them a chance, you know, either sleeping vitamins, cause I did take them for a while. Um, I currently don't have any sleeping vitamins. I'm, um, have been getting really good sleep lately, but, um, I, I am very 
willing to take the sleeping vitamins if necessary, because I know that it did help me when I was having difficulty. Um, I had uh, sleeping vitamins that had, of course, the, the melatonin, and I noticed a huge difference in my sleeping quality when I when I took them. Um, but if if you if these don't help you, then consider as well, you know, after giving them a chance to maybe incorporate a warm bath um, with aromatherapy, you know, aromatherapy that can help you to to calm down or to relax. Um, and you can incorporate this in, in your routine. Um, I don't know, maybe a half an hour before going to bed or so, if you would have the time to do this, you know, maybe you don't have to do it every night, but you know, if you are trying to improve your sleep and you're trying to find, you know, ways to, um, to relax you, then this may be a possible, um, a possible, uh, tip that you can take and that you can benefit from. So I, um, in addition, um, to wearing a sleeping mask, I personally wear earplugs. So I'm not disrupted by any snoring or, um, loud music or engine sounds outside, um, while I'm trying to fall asleep or even during the night, because sometimes, you know, living in the city, um, sometimes you can hear a lot of activity going on and it's difficult during the night to, to stay asleep. Um, and so wearing earplugs is definitely a, a huge benefit. Um, if you haven't tried that already, that that's, you know, something that, that could possibly help you and, and something that you may want to um, incorporate in your routine as well. So those are just a few tips um, that I wanted to suggest for those of you who want to create sleeping habits. Um, and just to summarize, sleep is so important for our health. We need at least seven hours, even if we need less hours, the older we get. A lack of sleep can impact our health, leading to chronic diseases, um, cognitive dysfunction, poor mental health, um, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, or, or stroke. So the longer we can sleep and the better quality sleep we can get, the more we support our body's ability to carry out the biological processes that it needs to restore and rebuild our cells. A lack of sleep, which is common among menopausal women due to, due to the decrease in estrogen, can dysregulate our hormones such as leptin and ghrelin, which ultimately cause our appetite to increase and drive us to overeat. So if we want to stay on track, we need to ensure that we build healthy sleeping habits to reduce any additional impact we might have on our hormones that work against our goals. So focus on a comfortable, relaxing dark, quiet environment with fresh circulating air and don't consume anything before going to bed that can stimulate you and disrupt your sleep like caffeine or heavy meals 
or, you know, alcohol or sugar. Boost any activities that can improve your sleep, such as exercising or going outside and getting sunlight or reading books and staying hydrated. If necessary, use sleeping aids such as a sleeping mask like myself or earplugs um, to help keep the room quiet and use sleeping vitamins or teas to help you fall asleep and stay asleep. For more tips on better sleeping habits, then head on over to my website where you can get a free checklist to help you build healthier sleeping habits that will help improve your sleep and keep you on track so that your appetite is not impacted. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified each time an episode drops. And please recommend to a friend who may also be menopausal with a sweet tooth and want to lose fat on plants. I'm looking forward to talking to you next week. So stay healthy and stay blessed. And remember, if you have a sweet tooth, guilt-free always tastes and feels better. Take care.